Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ben Porter and I am joined this Independence Day by Mark Spector of the Grand Gamers Guild. How are we doing, Mark? Yeah, hey. You doing good? I am. It's uh, It's been a busy... So obviously you guys are offset from me by quite a number of hours, um, six hours about. And uh, so it's still the first half of my day pretty much. And uh, it's been extremely busy i can verify that you are a busy man because um you do have a few irons in the fire at the moment as i understand always there's always multiple projects being juggled even yeah. the one that's on kickstarter and the ones that will be on kickstarter and the ones that have been through kickstarter so what is the one that's on kickstarter mark the one that's on kickstarter right now is called the artemis project it is a uh, the story of founding a colony on europa and uh, and the and the struggle therein. So it's a dice placement, engine building, set collection game. Uh, currently, it was two to four players. Now it's two to five players as we unlocked our first stretch goal. And nice. um, yeah, I love it. Obviously, I wouldn't be publishing it if I didn't love it. So for for those of us that um, are maybe a, a wee bit ignorant of uh, of things to do with space and such, this is Europa, the it's one of Mars's moons. Is that right? Jupiter, actually. Jupiter. There we go. I make a big thing about people being ignorant and then I go and do it myself. That's okay. I'll tell you a funny little anecdote is right at the beginning, we had put out some copy. Uh, I think it was actually on Board Game Geek and made uh, the mistake of saying that it was a moon of Saturn. So I promptly caught it and changed it. But uh, it was just really funny that, um, you know, through all the people who had their hands on it, somehow that mistake had crept into our description and fortunately we caught it before anybody else that's made me feel a bit better to hear that yep but, uh, so it's a, an easy mistake to make but we are we are talking about the celestial body europa and not a continent in correct. case anyone made that mistake that is correct um so i i did a quick um a quick google this morning to um to find out a bit more about the the artemis project and uh, uh Continuing the theme of uh, of ignorance, um, I just I just typed the Artemis project into Google, and then obviously what first came up was the 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 real life Artemis project, which was the uh, it, it followed after the Apollo project, and it was the the attempt to establish a, a colony on the moon, right? Exactly, and the reason why we chose the Artemis project as a title for founding a colony on Europa is because. Europa as a uh, planetary body in the solar system is, is a, a sheet of ice that has uh, suspected to have an ocean underneath it. It's believed to be one of the places that life has a genuine possibility of flourishing. And the Artemis project, as you referenced for our moon, actually did some additional work to see about the viability of establishing a colony on Europa. So it's a little bit science and a little bit creative license. And, yeah. uh, and a heck of a board game. Yeah. So I, I think when people hear about something like that, they're immediately going to make the association with games like Terraforming Mars. But the it's quite a different game from what I understand. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, this definitely... Terraforming Mars, as I understand it, because believe it or not, I've only played it once, Terraforming Mars is primarily uh, you know a card game and an engine builder. This... Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are cards in this game, but that's not really what is going to drive your experience. This is primarily a dice, a dice placement. You know, the dice are your workers mechanic. 
and mm. um, combined with what we call the exposure mechanism, which means that, and I often refer to the game as dice displacement, because mm. depending on where you put the dice down, you can be outbid. Uh, lower numbers can actually supersede higher numbers for set collection. And um, yeah, and basically while, uh, you know, they're both set out in the solar system from a gameplay standpoint, I mean, they really couldn't be more different. Okay, so the and I guess right away when you've got dice and it adds that little element of chaos, that um, that element of unpredictability. Exactly. Things spicy. Yep. However, there is a lot of uh, a lot of what I'll refer to as dice mitigation. We have a component in the game that we refer to as tools. So tools can be used to uh, elevate or decrease the pips on the die to achieve whatever goal you want to use. Moreover. And I think one of the most unique things about uh, the Artemis Project is that no matter where you put them on the board, the dice are going to interact with other players' dice. So, for instance, if you want to try to collect a resource, um, let's say you're collecting minerals from the quarry, and you put down a three, saying that at the end of the round, you intend to claim three of the, let's say, seven dice, I'm sorry, seven minerals that are there mm -hmm. in the quarry. Well... If I put a four down, my four is actually going to come after that three. But if I put a okay. two down, my two is going to get placed and collect before your three. So in as much as dice do cause chaos, um, you are going to, you know, you're going to roll them all at the beginning of the round. You're going to see what you have. And then you're going to have to choose your best placement, not only based on what you want, but on what the other players have indicated they want. Because your dice are pretty much going to interact with theirs no matter where you put them. Okay, that's that, that's that's pretty smart. That's quite interesting. The the the, the bidding war, as it were, with uh, with that. M moving on, I guess, to the the actual look of the game. Yeah. Um, I I have not had a chance to to play the Artemis Project just yet, but it is a beautiful looking game. Thank you. Um, you you sent us over some of the uh, the the print and play files to have a look over, and the the artwork is um, it's something else. It's it's quite impressive for um for an independent um project. How did you guys decide to to tackle the artwork? Now first, let me say that I do not hold you at all at fault for not printing and playing. I am not a print and play kind of guy, and among the spectrum of games, uh, Artemis Project has a lot of extra bits and components. Yeah. So, so as a craft project, it's pretty labor intensive. So I don't hold it against anyone who hasn't taken the time to print and play. But to your question about the art, uh, that's actually kind of a funny story. So I'm also co-publisher of Endeavor Age of Sail, which is actually fulfilling right now. And will be having its, um, its worldwide debut at Essen this year. But I went to Essen last year to sort of uh, be a vendor there for the first time and get the lay of the land before sure. we were there with a product that we had high hopes of making a big impact. I can't imagine anything scarier than attending Essen and never having been there as a vendor and having, you know, what was hopefully a hit product and having the gamers kind of descend on you en masse and not being prepared for that. <laughs> so I had been there as an attendee, but I'd never been there as a publisher. And I wanted to, I wanted to lay that groundwork for myself physically and mentally so i knew what we were getting into mm -hmm. and i'm in my booth which is all the way back in hall eight i mean it was it was the no man's land of essen and apropos of nothing a, a guy walks up to me and he's holding a game in his hand transatlantic and he says hey my name is dominic mayer and this is a game i just did and here's my uh 
he had this nifty little brochure that he handed me and we chatted a little bit and in the back of my mind, uh, Josh Capel, my uh, art director and lead developer and graphic designer, he and I had been searching for an artist for a little bit, uh, but kind of coming up, you know, coming up dry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then Dominic walks in front of my, uh, in fr into my booth and, and introduces himself. And, and I knew after flipping through his brochure that he was the guy, but I trust Josh. He's uh he's an artist himself and he, uh, he knew what we were gunning for. So as soon as I finished my conversation with Dominic, I promptly got on my phone and sent a message to Josh. And I said to him, I think we found our guy. And I sent him a link to Dominic's online portfolio. And it was a matter of moments for Josh to answer me back and pretty much go, oh yeah. So uh, <laughs> shortly after Essen, we you know, shot, shot Dominic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And I, uh, a sort of a, a folio of, of the art we were looking for. Sure. And, you know, Hey, are you, one, do you have the time Two, are you interested? You know, three, you know, can you, can you fit the, t the deadline and everything like that? And yeah, we turned the whole thing around pretty quickly and he just, man, he knocks it out of the park. If you follow Dominic on uh, social media, he does these things that he calls speed painting that he posts and, I'm not an artist. My artistic talent stopped when I was about eight years old and it has not grown anywhere since. Now, to be fair, I haven't ever cultivated it, but that's another story. My point being is that Dominic does these things that he calls speed painting. So he's going to dash something together and just see how it comes out. And it is just unbelievable. So yeah, we got really lucky to get an extremely talented guy. And and obviously, like you said, you, you've seen the result, as have many others. Uh, so we're absolutely thrilled, to be sure. Yeah. It's surprising um, the amount of color that, that he's been able to incorporate into it, considering it is space. Because, I mean, that, that, that maybe sounds a bit silly, but it's like, to use terraforming Mars as an example, everything is red, or variations of red within that. Yeah, but that's Within the right. Artemis project, you've got, you know, splashes of red, you've got blue, um, there, there's the the card with the the octopoid type creature grabbing the guy. Yep. Um, it's uh, and the jelly swarm card with the bioluminescence. Yeah. The way Dominic got it got it to look like there was actually light emanating from a you know a flat card is uh well just talent you know talent and hard work and dedication and practice and all those other things that go into being you know a successful artist yeah huge kudos to him well we'll stick the um the link to dominic's social media in the show notes as well for anyone that wants to awesome. check that out because well i want to check that out that sounds really good so um for people that are maybe wondering how how you factor into all of this uh mark you are neither artist nor designer so do you want to tell us nope. a bit about what you do at the grand gamer guild yeah so i'm the fool that people call a publisher um i'm the person <laughs> who who functions as essentially as like a general contractor so in the same way that when a general contractor builds a house that person is coordinating the carpenters and the roofers and the painters I, uh, as the publisher, am coordinating the artist and the graphic designer and the designers and the manufacturer and getting all those things put together into a cohesive whole so that, you know, at the end of six months or a year or two years and the Kickstarter campaign in this case, that you end up with, with an actual game in your hands, on your table, uh, beautiful and functional and, you know, replayable. Yeah, so it's... 
actually quite a different skill set, and and I suppose that this is where a lot of um, a lot of small independent uh, game designers maybe fall into a bit of trouble because they don't quite realise, certainly not when they first um, step into the market, just how much is involved. Yeah, it's huge. Um, and anyone who you know, there was a time when you could put a project on Kickstarter and you know almost put up a a pencil drawing of your dream and somehow it would resonate and get funded to the nth degree. But it just doesn't happen like that anymore. You pretty much need to come to the table with a fully fleshed out, fully arted up design, Mm -hmm. Um, mechanically sound, artistically beautiful, and quite frankly, almost ready to rock and roll. I can't speak for um, any other publishers, but as you know, when we bring a, a project to Kickstarter, it's pretty much 95% done. And what I mean by that is uh, the mechanics as well as the art. Um, and certainly there are things that get refined because when you when you present things to the hive mind um, of gamers that are Kickstarter enthusiasts, you're going to get a lot of amazing feedback. Mm-hmm. Some of it's going to be noise that really doesn't jibe with the vision that you have for your game. And some of it's going to be really valuable. And of course, some of it is also going to contribute to the forward movement of the project. And what I mean by that is, um, well, and I can't think of a specific example for the Artemis project in this case, but you may get an idea from a, from a from a backer or someone who's looked at the project of of a new piece of content. And of course, you got to create the uh, the art for that for that content. So you know, Dominic is still producing and. And there are more ideas coming to the table. Obviously, all of them won't get put into the final product. But, you know, if we were to simply close that door and not pay attention to what the backers have to say, well, one, that's kind of doing a disservice to the backers. They're they're there for a reason. But two, you'd be cutting yourself off from a lot of really good ideas. It's kind of just like when you run a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. You know, the GM or the DM who listens to the players is going to get a lot of ideas just listening to them chat out the scenario and yeah. what they're thinking. And it's at the risk of sounding a bit snooty as well. Um, consumers don't always know what they want, even if they think they do. That's true. I mean, we we talked a lot of game designers, but like even in our capacity as media, you have to decide what feedback is going to be useful to you and what isn't. That can be tough, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you have to be... There's a balance you strike uh, between being true to your vision and getting the best product out the door possible. I am I am not someone who... No, let me change how I'm saying this. I surround myself by a team of people who are smarter than me in their fields. I have no problem admitting that I am you know, usually not the smartest person in the room, but always happy to listen, take the feedback and the information, and then hopefully put out the best product possible. Well, there's different types of intelligence, isn't there? I mean, that's... that's... Absolutely. As, as trite as that sounds. It, it, no, no, you're not wrong. You talk about artists. It, it, it's very common in my experience that, that people with artistic brains, when you start trying to talk to them about money and spreadsheets, it's it's either a blind spot or they're like, oh, I, I do not want to hear about that. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, I was actually having a conversation with a good artist friend over the weekend who was sort of, I mean, she's very successful. Uh, But she was lamenting the fact that a lot of art schools and a lot of art students are woefully unfamiliar with the business angle. And it is to their peril to proceed that way because it's one thing to pursue your passion. It's, you know, a totally different story if you pursue that passion 
and also understand the way business needs to work for you to survive. But it, it's so true, isn't it? That art schools, they take this almost bohemian attitude to it and it's like well that's nice but on the other hand you know you go to a university at some point or another they're going to teach you how you can apply what you've learned in a job yeah and i mean my 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 friend he's um he's just started college he's um he's studying music but um what the lecturer said to him when he um when he first started is when you finish this course you're going to have the the, the requisite skills and experience to become a session musician. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not they're not just teaching him music. And like you say, it's you know that maybe they should be rolling that out a bit more across the other art schools. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it takes a lot of skills to get where you need to go, um, especially when you're pursuing an artistic pursuit. Yeah, personally speaking, it always really annoyed me um, looking back. In my time at school, mm-hmm. they, they never taught me how to do a tax return at school. Yeah, education is uh well, you know, and obviously we have two different educational systems where you are and where where uh, I am. But I think I, I think we're reaching a commonality in saying that there's a lot of basic life skills that don't get taught uh, that people need to survive. Yeah, you're like I I don't give a shit about vectors. I want to know how to pay my bills and write checks. <laughs> so if if anyone's listening and they're on an education board. You need to get your finger out. <laughs> Apparently, this is a, a transatlantic problem. So, no matter where you are, you need to get your finger out. There you go. <laughs> so, um, going back because we've gone way off topic here yeah. to the Artemis project. Um, how 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 does your role as the to use your word the the contractor? How how have you applied that? in in the process for the Artemis project specifically? Sure. So way back in June 2016 was my first time sitting down with uh, Daniel Rocky, one of the co-designers. And um, just, you know, in order for me to move forward on a game, you know, I'm sort of the first line of defense. That is to say, I want to make sure that the rest of my team buys into the project because I don't want anyone being forced to work on anything that they're not passionate for. But um but I'm the first gatekeeper. Yeah. And so we sat down and played and I had no shame in telling Daniel almost immediately that I was impressed and wanted to take the game to next steps. And so I, you know, I issue a contract and he signs that contract and, and then we get things rocking and rolling. Uh, after that, it was a matter of familiarizing Josh again, who acts as my lead developer with, with the project and making sure that, you know, and he had already, indicated an interest and an enthusiasm for it. So that was part of that step. And then we started pursuing the art and refining the mechanics. And that was all told pretty much a two-year process. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, geographically, Josh and Daniel live uh, actually closer to one another than either of them live to me. So they were able to work both in person and electronically. And of course, the other designer, Daryl Chow, who's in Singapore, he was able to chime in and work on development. And and they actually did a ton of work in one of those, uh, you know, one of those sort of project development platforms that I wasn't even aware of. And it wouldn't be correct to say that the game was completely different from the game that I first met back in June of 2016. But when they presented to me the the final product of their labors that we were going to put on Kickstarter, there were some pretty significant changes and they were they were all to the better. So that was it was really awesome. But again, that that process took about two years. And you know, towards the end of that, 
Yeah, probably the last six months of that is when we contracted with Dominic to get moving on the actual art. Uh-huh. You know, once we picked a date for the Kickstarter, you know, at that point, you start announcing things publicly and they really start moving. Um, you know, and you try to be as true to things as possible. Uh, but one other really kind of funny thing is we'd actually set a date for the Kickstarter of late July and had to bump it by six weeks because we realized we'd set uh, an, an, an image. Uh, an inappropriate deadline. You know, the project was not sure. going to be realized the way we wanted it yeah. to. Um, but then we we settled on a date, we finalized it, and, you know, hey, here we are. We pressed the launch button back, what is, uh, less than a week ago. So we're five days in, and things are going pretty well. Yeah. So you, you talked about how you you saw the initial um, version of the game and then mm-hmm. um, how, how different in many ways, yet similar, it is in its final iteration. In between those two versions of the game, are you quite actively involved in, in playtesting the game in its various iterations and forms and, and feedback for that? Um, in this case, I was Josh would summarize some of the what they had done and they would bounce it off to me. But no, I was not actively involved in the playtesting and development. Uh, he was doing that with uh, with Daniel and with Daryl and getting it to the point where we were going to be sort of a ready for public presentation. And that's fine because believe me, I was, uh, I was definitely not lacking for things to do, uh, trying to, you know, keep the business going, maintain sales on our other products like pocket ops, which, and again, I might be messing up the actual timeline, but you know, this was all going on while the pocket ops Kickstarter was, was basically over and we were getting the product out to the world. So I was handling the fulfillment of that, the logistics. I was going to conventions and, you know, selling our other products, Stroop and on real estate. So yeah, I, I don't know, man, that was more, probably a little more answer than what you expected, but, but yes, um, I, I was taking care of other business things. He was, uh, getting the game to the table repeatedly and getting it where it needed to be. We're, we're always happy to get more answer than we expected. So <laughs> okay. to apologize. So primarily, um, your concerns are, are with with the the business side of things. Um, you know, you you're still at the at the head of the the gamers guild. Yeah. Um, I suppose that although although you said you um, in the case of the Artemis project that you you weren't actively involved in playtesting and that that really there was this consultation process between you and the developers. Mm-hmm. With it being your company, the, there, there's quite a bit of trust there involved in uh, in, in um, allowing the the guys to just see about their process because you you do hear about um, some less reputable and some less um, constructive working environments where the the managers are. It's almost like they're always resting control back from things that they've delegated to people. Sure. Well, I, I'll speak to that. There's, you know, I'm really fortunate. Josh Capel um, is again. I, I hired him. He is an artist, and you know, he uh, came on board as my, you know, art director, lead developer. Um, so, and and I'll, and he's been my friend for goodness, probably about uh, I don't know four or five years at this point. So, we had a pre-established relationship, and you know, trusting him to get the job done correctly. And, and on time really wasn't much of an issue. I mean, obviously, like you said, things could always go awry, but um, he knew the core of the game. He and I talked, I would say reasonably extensively. And, you know, there's some things that can change in a project, but uh, there are fundamentals that were always going to be in place, you know, and he knew that was the reason that I contracted the game. And 
I'm sure that he wouldn't be, again, I won't put words in his mouth, but I'm sure that he wouldn't be afraid to make a change as appropriate. Mm -hmm. But I'm also certain that if he were going to make a change that was fundamental to gameplay, that he and I would have a conversation first. Yeah. Um, You know, he keeps me informed with with, uh, as much as I need to know to keep things going in the right direction. Yeah. So communication and trust. You heard the ear folks, the the magic recipe for for any Mm. company, not just a gaming company. So um, we've just about reached the end of our time here, but before we go, um, for people who are interested in the Artemis Project and the Grand Gamers Guild, where should they go? Sure. So if you're looking for the project itself, you can simply, you know, like you did, you can Google the Artemis Project Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. and that should get you to the page. You can also go to Kickstarter itself and type in their little search engine, the Artemis Project. And it should come up without a problem. Uh, as far as the guild itself, you can find us at grandgamersguild.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching Grand Gamers Guild. And on uh, Twitter and Instagram, we are at Grand Gamers Guild, but no vowels. So our, uh, our title was a little bit too long, so I had to figure out how to make it work. And so I decided to cut out the vowels. Decided to put in the Welsh version. There you go. That's yeah. an excellent way of putting yeah. it. So, and I suppose it is also worth saying that um, you'd mentioned earlier Endeavor is coming out this year. Yeah. Endeavor Age of Sale is fulfilling to backers now. And it will have its debut at Essen. And it'll be in retail release after that. There we go. It's all go at the Grand Gamers Guild. Mark. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's uh, been a fun conversation. It certainly has. And for all of our listeners, wherever you are, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Good night. Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye.